you're listening to the Men Who Made Me podcast, all about discovering healthy masculinity, male identity, and more, as told by the men who made us. Today, I'm talking to David Irons, a longtime friend and mentor in my life, and as you'll soon hear, the reason in part that I switched my major so impulsively in college. David works at Kansas State University's Christian Challenge, a campus ministry I attended in my college days, where I grew deeply in my understanding of faith, discipleship, and community. If we're talking about men or campus ministries who made us, this is a big one for me. David talks today about what it means as a man to live an intentional community with courage, humility, integrity, and accountability. It's pretty evident that he walks the way he talks. I actually got to ask a lot of peers before this interview, what's something you like about David? What stands out? Time after time, people simply said, the way he treats people. His intentionality is one of my favorite things about him, as well as how much he loves people, especially his wife, Rachel, which I'm sure you'll hear in today's episode too. Without further ado, here's my conversation with David Irons. Do you want to go ahead and give give the people a little brief summary <laughs> who you are, what you do, family, any of that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I don't... Okay, I'll start with my family. So, I'm married. Mm-hmm. My wife is Rachel, who is in this room with us is Hi, right now. <laughs> She's like... Um, the most amazing woman in the whole world. She she makes it easy, and she's here, um, so I can even I'll even say this here. But I also when she's not in the room, I would say the exact same thing and have multiple times that she makes it really easy to brag on her. Mm-hmm. Everything she does, who she is, the way that she interacts with people, how she loves God, how she loves our kids, um, her work ethic, the way that she calls me to higher standard in many mm-hmm. things. It's something to be greatly valued in. Mm. Um, the uh, can't take that for granted in, mm. at all. So we have two two girls. Our oldest is Margot, and she is super fun. Um, <laughs> she just had a birthday a couple of days ago. She was asking for a uh, purple bow and arrow. Oh. For her birthday, oh, wow. so me being someone that loves the outdoors and <laughs> hunting and stuff, she's. I was like, yes. <laughs> she loves that. horses though more than anything, mm. um, and uh, so she went purple bow and arrow or a real horse. <laughs> so we got her a purple bow <laughs> and arrow. <laughs> Those are the things that she wanted. Um, uh, we have chickens, but. Not any close to space for a horse, as you well know. <laughs> yes. um, and then we have Corey, and she's going to turn two in September. She's hilarious. Probably one of the funniest people we know, um, <laughs> even at, at almost two years old. So, And she falls around her big sister like she's like the most amazing person in the world, which is fun. And then we have one that is going to be joining us in January. So we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet, but... You know, who knows? We we might continue. I might continue to be an all daughter daddy. Girl dad. Yeah, girl dad for sure. <laughs> um, or we'll we'll step into a new adventure with a boy. So we'll see. Perfect. Yeah. What do you do for work? Oh yeah, so um, I'm on staff with a campus ministry called Christian Challenge, mm-hmm. 
and been there for since 2014, January of 14. Um, graduated from K-State and stayed around that, that the campus ministry that I was a part of there. So uh, became a believer in that campus ministry and then has carried on ever since. So and in about a year, we, my wife and I and some others are going to go plant a, a campus ministry um, at another university. So it'll be, it'll be fun. I've, I've loved it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. And that's how I met you just for listeners to get some context. Mm. You were my ministry team leader. You and Rachel both were, well, actually it was just you at first because you were, so you're one of the few, at least around K state that knew me before I was married to Rachel, Mm -hmm. but you, you especially had a front row seat because like you were in my ministry team while while I was like engaged and about yeah. to be. Those are those are so time. fun. We had a little uh, ministry team reunion last night with a couple you? of us that were That's so yeah, like Julie and Taylor and oh, man. Caleb were all there. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was really fun. So, anyways, yeah, that's how I met mm-hmm. I met you. I also put in my notes here to shout out that you were also the one to encourage me to switch to calm studies, which was. <laughs> One of the more impulsive decisions I made in college, <laughs> but I was like, I remember being, I think it's at the care farm, which is, uh, for the listener, it's like this like freshman retreat that you helped take some freshmen on. And it was you and Jim Woods, I'm pretty sure. And probably some other people that, um, at the end of the night, we're just talking, talking up comm study, communication studies as a major. And I was in like the business or something, which I didn't like at the time. And that was pretty much all I needed to be like, yeah, that sounds great. I'll switch to communication studies, which has been a, a great staple of how I've, you know, navigated the work world. You're using your degree currently. Right now. In this very moment. You're right. So. So, this is a podcast about masculinity, male identity, um, really at its best. So, I guess what has been helpful for some other conversations is like to start with defining what does masculinity even mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean in this cultural context? Is there a helpful definition that you think of when you think of masculinity? Yeah. So when you you're like, Hey, you want to do be on a podcast? And I was like, what is it about? (laughs) I was like, maybe it's like about calm studies or something. I don't know. Um, when you said masculinity, I was like, wow, that's like, um, that's a massive undertaking, just, uh, I guess, especially in the, the present mm-hmm. culture and, and stuff that's going on. And the moment you said it, I was like, well, so I'm a, I'm a man, mm-hmm. but, but besides that, like I have no like expertise in mm-hmm. defining or really diving deep into mm-hmm. this su- subject. And so I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, but I think if as a definition, as I was you say that I think the definition is less like a Webster's definition and more of a person. Mm-hmm. Cause I think if you want to cr- see a definition of masculinity, I think it all is encapsulated in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know others probably would say, would say that as well, but I, and if they did, then I would agree with them. Um, that the, that Christ God in his design came as a man and therefore produced the greatest, most clear 
and best picture of masculinity that any man or woman can benefit from. Just watching the way that he interacted with people, he cared for people, um, the way he cried with people, protected people, defended truth, took ground for the kingdom of God, his kingdom. Um, I think the greatest, yeah, so I guess the greatest definition is more of a person than a Webster's Mm -hmm. sentence, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, that's, that's a lot. That means that's a lifetime of exploring what that image of a masculinity looks like. So that's good. Yeah. I think it is helpful to have like that more holistic nuanced picture of personhood rather than, yeah, like a a very black and white definition. Mm -hmm. it, It does lean more toward the exploration of it and, even in other people's lives, like what does that look like or how do people take that on mm-hmm. over the course of their lives too? I like that. Yeah. So you've been doing this podcast for a little bit now. How many people have you done? We've done like five or six interviews. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so this is probably, you've been thinking about even prior to beginning this journey. Mm-hmm. Can Have you started to form mm-hmm. a definition or maybe seen strings throughout different conversations you've had? in the search of answering that question Mm, such a good question yeah i i think one of the strings is one that it gets to look different for different people um yeah i some of the people we've talked to help i think it's helpful to define what it isn't so like defining you know it, it doesn't have to be this like really rugged like stoic macho man like it it can for some people if that's what they feel created for but like it also gets to look like these other things we've also talked about like the difference between being a a human like there are aspects of being a human that live within both men and women Mm -hmm. and so you know like yeah like the emotional side lives in in both places even though some of them are attributed to more feminine qualities Mm -hmm. and relationally like again there Mm -hmm. are some things that are more attributed to women that Mm -hmm. i think the really healthy men that we've talked to are like no these are just parts of being a human yeah not necessarily just being a man and so we i've been trying to ask a little bit more clearly for some of the interviews like what is masculinity to Mm -hmm. you because it is so like nuanced and fluid but Mm -hmm. It's also fun to get different definitions of it, too. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. I hope that this journey even clarifies it more, and then once it does, then you can write a book or something, <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll read it. I appreciate that. <laughs> and have a more clear <laughs> picture of it. Yeah. But maybe that's what this culture needs, is a clarification of what mm. masculinity is, because I think, as of now, the culture just says it's wrong and bad. Mm. in many ways mm-hmm. um, but if it is left out or destroyed then I think mm. there's going to be a void mm. in humanity mm. because ultimately like it's a it's a part of um, mirroring the image of God mm. so that's good that's yeah that's interesting that you say yeah like the culture's kind of taken on that masculinity itself maybe is wrong or bad. Um, and I think one of the hearts of this podcast creation too is like wanting to 
invite men to seat at that table and you know I kind of feel that I mean I'm a woman but I've felt some of that backlash and pushback and a lot of it I think is good and accountability to what isn't helpful maybe totally. in masculinity agreed but there has been like something that I felt too of like well you know if we're saying that this isn't what it is like we also have to mm-hmm. offer what it can be what it totally. should be um to, to continue to like invite people <laughs> into totally. it and not just to say stop doing that yeah so I yeah I appreciate that being reflected in kind of how you're talking about it yeah and, and I think it's sad I mean some of that reason why I feel like that it's the that there's no seat at the table or someone like me is not allowed to is because I I mean I represent possibly is one of the the greatest number of people who have um I mean expelled like abuse into um a lot of different spheres of life under the name of a masculine you know under a masculine name I guess and so I think you know in 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 saying that at the same time like you you know that I guess hopefully it doesn't mean that we should exit the table it should means that we should reframe a new definition and that definition being the person of Christ Um, I think if if men modeled Christ's like masculinity um I'm sorry but your podcast would not be needed Mm. like Mm. no no one would be asking the question of what is it and why do we need it Mm. um I don't know I think that Mm. that's what I think yeah so we wouldn't be confused Mm. it would be a lot clearer yeah so you I mean you work with young men you disciple young men a lot with their role at Christian Challenge and mm-hmm. campus ministry. And you've been at it for a while, so you have kind of different years of experience and seen patterns or um, threads emerge in that work. What sticks out to you at this point right now, like in your work with men, what patterns do you see? What key things do you work on specifically with guys? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you praying through, wrestling through, any of that? <laughs> uh working with guys now so i have two daughters it it has invigorated my prayer life mm. to pray for men who will partner with my daughter someday in marriage and um be free from um vices like um uh over entertainment over just excessive entertainment um an excess of sexuality um and um i think so i think on the college campus you see those things Mm -hmm. like in excess Hmm. um and and so walking with students um, is, I think there's a, there's a challenge of trying to help them believe that um, life is not found in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, life is found only in Christ. Um, you're, you're just not going to find life anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just 
trying to convince them that life is not found in more video games <laughs> or um, ease of life mm. or um, sex, mm. anything like that. Mm. And so, so in that being said, um, I think I think just trying to every like just trying to hold out the person of Christ and say this is and hold it out until it becomes more compelling mm. than anything and that's I think partly because that's what happened to me in college mm. is, is a man Robbie Nutter met with me helped me read the Bible and I, I watched his life be really compelling the way he treated his family the way that he um, met God deeply in the scriptures on a personal level like um, not even just like a uh, intellectual theological level but like on a real I mean th- that way too he's bright he's, he's got his MDiv and honors in it and everything like that but um, just he just held out Christ and said this this is way more appealing than anything else mm. and so that's what I w- want to try to do mm. is help people fall in love with the person of Jesus and that yeah does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm taking that in because that's, I'm just really encouraged by that. And I think that's, I it was actually fun. This weekend, I was telling a couple of people I was doing this interview with you. And I was asking, oh, like, no. <laughs> I was like, what's something about David that you have appreciated? Or like, what is a characteristic about him that stuck out to you? And I, I mean, so many people said like, in watching your life and watching the way that you talk about others and love others and you're curious about others. Like, I think people see that in you. Like, I, I think they see you and I think that they see Christ in you. And mm-hmm. I think that that time and time again, like that's compelling to people. And it just, yeah, it sat with me in that moment that like, that's a really, I think that people can uh, argue intellect all day long. And unless mm-hmm. it's, real like unless it actually informs the way that they treat people mm-hmm. or go about their lives yeah. it, it's not meaningful and anyhow i think that that's yeah i mean you look evident. at the person of jesus like i'm not kidding he probably could have theologically and intellectually blown every pharisee out of the water and, and there's moments he kind of did he played those like they'd come and ask him a question then he'd do this like juke and you're like where did that come from that was brilliant <laughs> yeah but most often the the staple of his life was how he interacted and cared for people from his knowledge of the scripture and, and his bringing the kingdom, his kingdom into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the, the classic Corinthians passage is like, if I, if I don't have love, like I, I can be all these things, but I'm just like a clanging mm-hmm. symbol or like a noisy symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's true Uh, that's really sweet that they they would say that i will say that my guess is a lot of those people knew me after i got married married (laughs) because i think if anything rachel my wife has been like i think when thinking about masculinity um, me being around her and her femininity has Mm -hmm. only drawn out the best of masculinity in me Mm. Um, and so anything that may god have 
God has may have put in me um, and trained me and developed in me throughout the years has only amplified um, through putting, you know, it's like putting two chemicals in one beaker and it reacts greater than it would alone. Mm. So like, I feel like if any of those comments, I'm sure will only grow exponentially and the masculinity in my life has only just expounded or I'll say the positive uh, (laughs) side of it has only grown because of um, Rachel and I are in the same beaker. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) What? I don't know. I'm curious, like what other qualities or characteristics I don't know, maybe have you felt like taken on because of that beaker? Like what is something that you've noticed in yourself that has grown or, or even how has your definition of being a man like been shaped over the course of the last few years or Mm -hmm. marriage or. Yeah. I would love to know more about that. I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's like the people around me have helped shape it. So like, is that, is that kind of what you're asking? I mean, um, I think there's like uh there's been some some men in my life who made me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh so like um like I mentioned Robbie Nutter him modeling that. I think my own father, my own dad, um Bill. He he has been a really beautiful picture of that. Mm-hmm. His, his um you know we there's like you can either choose to like think about childhood and view it through a picture of cynicism and bitterness mm-hmm. and a create a picture of fatherhood and motherhood that is uh, impacted you negatively and everyone's got those and some people more than others mm-hmm. and then but as i've been a dad too i've been like reflecting on my dad and the the, the parts that have been really helpful for me and um painted a good picture of what masculinity looks like and stuff and um I don't, his, his, he's a pretty tender man. He's, I mean, uh, without fail for the last probably 10 years, he's texted me and my two sisters, good night, I love you. Um, and he, this is a man who never heard I love you from his own dad. Mm. Like, never. Mm. Um, like, my grandpa's like, like, love you, grandpa. And he'd be like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Oh. Um, and he had his own story sure. and the reasons why that, was for him but um, and he had other things that he exuded well but uh, my dad has, has been a really good picture of what it means to to care deeply for others and engage others um, I think there's been a couple of uh, friends throughout I mean college in in college that I'm really close to now um, a group of guys we call ourselves the guard <laughs> and we Why do you call yourselves the guard? um well, it comes from an obscure passage in scripture, um, <laughs> but uh, but one of the w- main reasons is so like um, we want to be um, guardians of each other's lives, mm. um, so we're going to guard one another, mm. and so uh, once a year, and we, we're communicating throughout the year, but once a year we'll we have and we just did in June, June we just all went and we get an Airbnb and hang out for a weekend and each of us get a share for an hour or two about what's going on in our life. And then 
then we ask questions, intentional questions with each other, and then we pray over each other. And mm-hmm. um, the questions and the content that we share is like unguarded and, and to be in the, and then the, the commentary back on each other's lives is, is supposed to be like, Hey, like, yeah, you're, you are going down the path. That's right. Like keep going, like encourage you. Or there's some things where like you, you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And so guarding each other, um, from just the, the, I mean, the devil is just, you, you look at like, in um what is it genesis is it six i think um god goes to cain is like the devil is crouching at your door he desires to have you mm-hmm. like he's just there so like we 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 need to guard one another and so i think they've helped shape me mm-hmm. as they've guarded me in my life and um living with them um i could i could give you a characteristic of who I am probably that stems from hmm. their life. So um, I think that's, that shaped me a lot too. Hmm. And obviously, like I said, my wife like has, has drawn out of me masculinity in a way, you know, there's this weird idea that masculinity just is only coming from within. Hmm. If I draw it out myself, that's where it comes from. But if I only were to draw it out myself, it'd probably be a, a not a great true I'd probably um, overemphasize some of the negative or potentially negative sides of ma- masculinity mm. um, but Rachel is is someone that can draw out the the positive things and um, and and keep in check some of the the, the wayward sides of mm. of who who I am as a man and mm. and I'm really grateful for that mm. so that's that's been one of the patterns and threads we've seen too of people saying how how important it is to hold community as a priority and a value in that shaping of who you are and who you, who you want to be one of actually one of the pieces of advice that I heard here in challenge that I have kept with me it's been like a, a guiding light in a lot of ways is the phrase like who I want to be I'm now becoming mm-hmm. and I've just the more that I've gone through life the more I've realized how important like you were saying that doesn't just come from within that's mm-hmm. not like which is actually quite countercultural, right like yeah. a lot of the, the stories and narratives right now are like just look within and, mm-hmm. and then you'll know and you know to some extent i believe that i think we, we have a design and it's okay mm-hmm. to look at that and see mm-hmm. how we were made by a divine creator mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like but i'm not god and i'm not perfect yeah. and so how how am i shaped and sharpened mm-hmm. by other people who can speak into me encouragement mm-hmm. or rebuke or correction or teaching mm-hmm. and yeah like I, we were even talking before this at lunch like we're so shaped by our communities and, and our yeah. cultures. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's been, anyways, that's been a recurring theme for a lot of these conversations that people matter. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, you know, the whole, I mean, from the very beginning in Genesis, one, the first thing that was not good for man, mm-hmm. you remember what it is, mm-hmm. is to be alone. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, it's not, a, God's like, wow, everything's really great that I created. 
that's not good. Mm. I we're gonna we're gonna change that, mm. um, or or build into that, I guess. And and so, you know, then you know he creates the woman for the man. But I think that thread still continues even beyond just marriage. Marriage is the greatest sense of community. But outside of there's, it shouldn't just stop there. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think that that is something that I hear a lot, both with men and women, but I, I feel like I hear it even more with men potentially of like loneliness. Like mm-hmm. loneliness is just such a, a big topic right now. And I hear you pressing into friendships and community and being around people. For someone who might find themselves lonely or um, not having that richness of community that they might hear about this and say, wow, I really want that. I don't know how to go about that. Mm-hmm. What what advice do you have? What, yeah. I mean, you work with men a lot. I don't know if that's a recurring yeah. topic with them as well, but what advice do you have for people who find themselves in that lonely space? Yeah, that's a really good question. One that it, I'm sure somebody else has a better <laughs> answer than me. <laughs> Uh, I I think people can experience loneliness for a couple of different reasons or maybe remain in loneliness for a couple of different reasons. Um, I think one of the first ones, maybe a heart check for a guy, and all of these I'm sure I've experienced at one time or another, um, is uh, arrogance, mm. um, uh, an experience of loneliness uh, will remain lonely um, especially if you're like, I, I'm unwilling or unable, something's inside of me saying I'm unable to um, voice that I need others, hmm. that I am lonely, hmm. that I need another man in my life, um, especially like guy-to-guy f- friendships is what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I think, I think just saying, hey, like I need someone else feels maybe weak to some men. Mm. Um, like, especially men that maybe just feel like I need to be the like lone wolf kind of feeling. Um, it feels weak, but then you like think the idea of a lone wolf is a dead wolf. Mm. Like wolves, there is no wolf (laughs) that is going to survive long outside of its pack. Mm. Um, and so, um, it may make a really good Hollywood movie, <laughs> but it makes a really horrible life. Mm. Um, and if, I mean, loneliness and isolation is just grounds for detriment. Mm. It really is. And so um, I think the lone wolf mentality or maybe taking pride in that mm. is one of the most arrogant things that a man can do and one of, and paints the biggest target on the back of a man. Mm. Um, because Satan is like, you're the first, mm. like y- you're going down mm. like, and, and it's not going to be hard. Mm. Um, so there's an arrogance that comes with it that really sadly that it's like the easiest medicine is just humility mm. and just saying, Hey, okay. And, and maybe having a moment of pro, like sharing your weakness with somebody or f- I guess projected feeling of weakness of saying, Hey, 
I need you. Like, mm-hmm. will you be my friend? Sounds like something we should say when we're in second grade. Mm-hmm. But it's really something I, I, we need to say when we're all the way, in my opinion, all the way up to 70 mm-hmm. and plus. Mm-hmm. Like, will you be my friend? It's hopefully something that I'm able to say when I'm 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I'm rolling down the retirement home. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> no, probably won't be able to afford that. So... <laughs> Uh, but really, like, that's a hard thing to say, I think, for anyone uh, as an adult. Yeah. Um, and in our culture, individualistic culture just breeds that into us. Um, the second thing I would say, like, loneliness is only perpetuated through the the ease of access of entertainment. Mm. Because I think some often, which is maybe a third thing, is often we view friendships as entertainment. Mm. Um, it's our... It's our gateway out of boredom. Interesting. Humanity, I think, despises boredom. Mm. Um, I can, I mean, that doesn't, you just, you just go and look at a, um, a waiting room at (laughs) the DMV and there's no one sitting there without their phones or some sort of form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so we just do anything we can to get out of it. And so we view friendships as an escape from boredom Mm. when in reality you can have friends and if you only view them as, you know, routes outside of, out of, out of boredom, then you're going to still be lonely, Mm. I think. And, um, instead you'll like be craving depth. And so I think, um, we have, we have trained ourselves to have easy access to entertainment through social media, Netflix, things like that, um, that our brains are just wired that way. And so um, I think loneliness will be more cured through the understanding that friends, or just maybe the beginning is like understanding that friends aren't just the cure for boredom. Hmm. They they should be um, a creation of um friendship and care and love towards one another and um also i think friendship or loneliness i think some people are more content with loneliness than the possibility of being hurt um so rejection the possible possibility of rejection i'd rather be lonely than have the possibility of rejection so i think as much as maybe some men don't want to admit that Mm. um I think that's a that's a big part of it and it takes courage Mm. um um, so i think all of those things need to be realized and then ask i I need to ask myself why what when i'm feeling hesitant to step into a relationship or try to defeat loneliness which of those are holding me back and how do i want to lean in with courage Mm. Um, it's like i tell my my daughter like when you're afraid to do something, we do courage. Courage isn't like the opposite of fear, right? Everyone knows this. It's, it's, um, it's doing something while still remaining fearful. Hmm. Um, I told my four year old that, hmm. like, I know you're afraid, but like have courage. It's like, well, I'm still afraid. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> you, you can do it. Hmm. Um, and for her, the greatest thing that takes courage right now is jumping in the pool while I'm, sure. you know, <laughs> but for us, that's the same thing, you <laughs> yeah. know? So, and I think, yeah, we, I think we know what, what happens to men who 
mm. are lonely. Mm. And uh, um, that should sh- strike fear into us enough to where we say, okay, I can either humble myself or um, view people differently than just wa- walking entertainment or, um, you know, whatever it is. Mm. So, yeah, it's hard to. Like, I think of of people who might even have a lot of friends, have a lot of people around them, or or even be very charismatic and and still be quite lonely because... Oh, yeah. Are you really known? Like, that's... I feel like that's what we're getting at more than, like, physical people around us is... Mm -hmm. Are we known and are we humble enough to be vulnerable? Totally. (laughs) Which is... It is hard. Totally. It is hard to do those things. Totally. And it's sad. We, I feel like we value sometimes more the amount of people rather than the quality of people that are in, in our life. Mm-hmm. So I remember, do you know what Adventures in Odyssey is? I've heard you talk about okay, it. Okay, Adventures in Odyssey is, is awesome. I mean, I loved it as yeah. a kid. Um, but there's a character on there named John Whitaker, Wit. And he was talking... This has stuck with me for a long time. Mm. And I don't know, this is profound for me and maybe not for others, but um, he he said that um, when talking about friendships, he's like, he's like, if you have two or three great friends in a lifetime, you are extremely lucky mm. or extremely blessed is what he said. Mm. And I was thinking, and I think about that a lot. Mm. Um, and some for some reason, we, we feel content to have lots of okay friends mm. instead of two or three mm. um, really good friends. Mm. And, and I don't know, maybe I don't know something about the time and age that we live in right now where we feel slighted if we only have two or three because mm. we think that everybody's follower on Instagram is a best friend of who mm. they're following. Mm. And that's just not true. Mm. Um, like I feel like in my job, I get to relate with a lot of people and I, you know, of a lot of friends, and I would call them friends, um, but there's there's a few men in my life, and women too, but primarily men in my life that I would say are the ones that cure me from loneliness. Mm. Um, I mean, with that being said, with my wife as well, um, but I think you can be lonely when you're married. Totally. Um, the, the cure to loneliness also isn't marriage. Mm. Um but I mean, with that being said, I think you know, Christ is a friend too. Mm. Um, and if you, we put our hope in friendships, mm. then that ultimately too, life is not found in friendships. Mm. Life is only found in Christ. Mm. But I think Christ desires and has put in us a capacity for deep friendships. So I think you're right in that. It's been it's been a reoccurring conversation to um, talk about not only like how do we I don't know people aren't just like entertainment but it's important how people view us and that that helps how we're shaped as well Mm. and I remember being in your ministry team and like being this really awkward like sophomore like trying (laughs) to figure things out and I felt like you and Rachel just like really like loved me Mm. like really like I'm going to start crying. Like, really, like, saw, like, 
things about me that I didn't see yet mm. and like celebrated them and like really like drew them out of me kind of I guess what you were talking about earlier with with marriage of like drawing out the best but I think it takes people to like really see us and see the best in us for us to even believe it in ourselves mm -hmm. like and how that's an important piece of the relationship puzzle as well that like yeah. that offers us hope of what we can be past yeah. how we see ourselves now that's really good yeah that's really good page <laughs> yeah i've just i think a lot about had i not had those mentors and friendships mm -hmm. growing up I, I just don't know where i would be at yeah this point, so. totally yeah same here yeah. it wouldn't be good for me at least yeah so yeah i appreciate that yeah praise god for that i really appreciate you saying that because mm. um and you know i want i wonder my guess is that there's many who would say the same about you mm. um in the way that you carry yourself and care for others mm. you're a very approachable person okay. so appreciate that yeah i know you've, you've alluded to it a couple times earlier but who is a man or a couple of men who have made you mm -hmm. over the course of your life and what is something that you'd want to say to them mm. at this point that's a really i don't think there would be probably enough time to <laughs> say everything i want to and I, and one, one of the things maybe this is just my personality one, one of our family values that rachel and i've created is that we we don't treat encouragement like a commodity that shouldn't mm. be spent it's like a commodity, you know, it's like we just went to Chipotle today and this dude's giving me rice like it's out of his own bank account. I'm like, dude, that's, that's not like, why are you giving me like three pieces of rice? Like, it's something he, it looks like he was trying to hoard it. Like, he's like, whatever's left over it in my, in my, which might be true. I don't know. But I'm like, you like why are you stingy mm. with that? Like in something of value that is spoken in our house, like we have written it down, um, is we, we are not stingy with our encouragement and our words. And so my hope is that these men have already heard this from me. Mm. Um, cause I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't think we should be stingy with how we encourage people and speak into their lives. And, um, I for sure don't want my daughters to be stingy, speaking encouragement to one another mm -hmm. um, or to their parents, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially, you know, speaking life into their mom mm -hmm. um, who's put so much into them. And, but um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, like Robbie Nutter, I think he has he's created a, a love for the word of God that is beyond theological mm -hmm. and really life driven so he's really helped given me a clear picture of maybe a little bit how christ would walk this earth mm -hmm. um and how christ would interact with a family mm -hmm. or his kids or his wife um a brokenness over mm -hmm. sin um that the word of god really what it looks like to have the word of God dwell richly in the soul of a human. Mm. Um, I think Robbie has done that for me. I think my dad has created a picture of what tenderness mm. looks like, um, an expression of 
of using words to to love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think guys like um, Chris Presnell is a guy that is part of it. He he's given a picture of what it looks like to um, be content with mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and reject maybe the the world's idea that success especially monetarily is is of highest value mm-hmm. i think jordan Irwin is a guy that has shown me that um i remember in college thinking like just watching him doing dishes all the time and and being like man there's a proverb that says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed so mm-hmm. thinking that man i I can believe that verse, by the way, I see Jordan's life. Um, I think um, John has, uh, he is, I think he is for sure a man of the heart. Um, but then also just, I think there's a, a joy in him that is um, uh, g- grown. Um, that it's uh, his, the moment I step into a room of, with John, I'm like, I just feel joyful um he has also given a a real picture of what worship is Mm -hmm. of god our creator Mm -hmm. is to me um and so and then jim woods i think jim has been um he he's the he's the only one of those guys that lives in the same town as me right now so i get this more but he's like a i feel like a running mate in many ways all of them are but um definitely someone that's um, created, I mean, also created a, a picture of what it looks like to share every part of your life, especially the, the nasty nitty gritty parts that no one else wants to see and be willing to mm. talk about that. He, he's probably modeled the discipline, which it should be a discipline of confession mm. and repentance. Um, more than any other human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those are characteristics of that I've soaked into me like a sponge mm-hmm. and probably um, God has used to train me and hopefully bless like people like my family and things like that. So those are probably some of the men who made me. And then the, before them, they were discipled by somebody and then they were discipled by somebody and it all just goes back to Christ. Christ mm-hmm. is the model of yeah. that. Um, but I think Christ's life is the most compelling and he is all those things of those guys to the nth degree. So mm-hmm. I would without a doubt say that. Mm-hmm. So I love, that. love it so much. Mm-hmm. What is it like an encouragement or a word for men leaning toward health and maturity and masculinity Mm. accountability can be part of that but Mm -hmm. what what would your advice be or what would what are what is something that you're going through right now that is shaping you um one this is my framework is that um if you're not doing it with the model of christ then then you're gonna you you may find some success but there will be no 
there will be a measure of success that you're missing out on mm. um, when thinking about moving towards health. Um, so, and I say that saying that, like, I am, that's the journey I'm on. Like, I hope that there's parts of me that are healthy, but I know that there's parts of me that aren't. Mm. Um, and like, like venom is drawn out of a bloodstream. So like meeting with Christ draws out ultimately the things that are going to kill me mm. in my life mm. and not, not just kill me, but it's going to overlap into, um, those that are around me. Mm. And so, um, if, if I want unhealth to be drawn out of me, mm. then it has to be the master surgeon, I guess mm. you could say, mm-hmm. um, the great healer, who's the one that's going to be drawing the poison mm. of sin out of my life. And, um, and so, I mean, ultimately, that's what I think it comes down to, is absolute need mm. of... Um, of a savior and you know the greatest way to save humanity from toxic masculinity is a savior of souls Hmm. um the messiah christ like that's just that's just what's gonna happen Hmm. um no movement no speaker is ever gonna produce anything Hmm. as such Hmm. um and so, like a true, genuine mo- uh, follower of Christ should produce health. Hmm. Um, what are some qualities or characteristics of of that, like of Christ or of yeah. someone following Christ? I mean, you just you just think about like everywhere Christ went, life sprung up. So hmm. like. Um, there's a crazy passage. I think, I think it's in Mark, but pretty much it was like, there was no one left to heal mm. in that region. Mm. And you, you could take it a couple of ways, but you think about it, there's like, there's no one, the moment that Christ entered into that space, like everywhere he went, darkness, chaos was being pushed back. Mm. And that and so we see Christ doing that in a lot of different ways. Like one, I think about um, he. You look at his like um, uh, bringing clarity into the scriptures. So um, men would argue, Pharisees would argue about the scriptures, and he brought clarity mm. into chaos. Mm. Um, he uh, brought. Um, respect to those who were unrespectable. Mm. Um, I think about there were outcasts constantly um, that no one wanted to look at and Christ didn't just look at him, he touched him. Mm. Um, he commissioned the weakest. I think Jesus really cared for people. He mm. saw the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, every time that they wanted to put him in a position of power, he was like, no, 
that's not what I came for. Mm. Um, like they wanted to make him king, and he's like, "I'm good." <laughs> like you know, and he's like, "I have a different vision for this." Like think about what if Jesus abandoned his mission, mm. um, and said yes to his flesh and became mm. the ruler that overthrew Rome, um, instead of the ruler that overthrew th- sin. Mm. Like, what What do you think would happen to history? Mm. I mean, and so, um, you know, he humbled himself. It's a picture of humility. Yeah. Um, so, mm. you know, I think, you know, a characteristic of Christ is like, is welled up in the scriptures is like, there's no greater love than this, than he who gave himself for another well, that's the picture of Jesus. That definition comes from Christ and giving his life. Um, so I don't know. Just his his life is so compelling if you really see who he is. Um, and I would say anyone who wants to find that out needs to look and not just have someone tell them what Jesus mm. is like. I mean, we even talked about expanding the garden or anything. I'm surprised oh, we haven't gotten there. Oh, we haven't talked there. about expanding the garden. That's really okay. Yeah, I mean, as it relates to work, faith and work, expanding God's goodness, stewarding God's goodness, mm-hmm. the ingredients that he gave in the world, you have this phrase with your family, expand the garden. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and how you see that relating to this conversation? Yeah, I think that's the hopefully the vision of our families to expand the garden. I think where that comes from is, so like in Genesis, the original call of the man maybe is to express his masculinity um is to maybe i'll put in my own words to make it i mean maybe words of your (laughs) employer to make it flourish (laughs) um and so the the man was placed in this garden and this garden was this localized place on planet earth right so everything is wild and crazy and desert-like and and in the middle of it, there's this garden that man was placed in. And the man was placed in there not just to sit and revel in it and say, this is all for me. Mm. The goal was, I mean, this garden was a, is a temple for God, right? Mm. And within the walls of this garden, God's presence resides. And man gets this opportunity to expand the, the borders of the garden to one day encapsulate all of the earth mm. right so that the presence of god can expand mm. to the entire world mm. right and so to do this god has given man the mandate of making it flourish like garden it cultivate it grow it and i see that as the given responsibility to steward my masculinity in a way that helps my wife flourish Mm. the gifts that God has given her, the passions God has given her to help those be flourished and grow as if they are garden needing tending. Mm. Um, so that she can be the greatest human being that God has created her to be. I see that my kids wanting to do that is to help them flourish and grow as if they're my garden. God has asked me to help flourish and grow. So using all the the masculinity God has given me, 
um, courage, strength, um, emotion, all of these things to steward that well. And then, and then thinking outside of my little bubble of a family goes to my neighborhood next would be my name. Na- I mean, you can even make it even smaller. Like my household needs to flourish and grow. I have chickens and a dog. Like <laughs> I want to help them flourish. Mm-hmm. Even them, like that's a part of God's creation that needs to flourish. Um, and so that the presence of God can be seen in the good work done mm-hmm. um, in serving my family and my household. And then that goes to my neighborhood. So my neighbor who's a, a widow, like helping her flourish in the places that she cannot, um, caring for her and cultivating her space mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then carrying that on to the nth degree and trying to help the presence of God not just stay and remain in my house, but expand into her home mm-hmm. um, so that she might experience physically the the relief of God's hand helping her home flourish, but then also spiritually using my words to share the goodness mm-hmm. of Christ and expanding the walls. And so I think that's so that's really compelling to me. Um, I mean, there's the whole the whole narrative of the Bible kind of speaks into that. Um, you don't have to put this in here, but one of my favorite themes is like you think about you have this garden that God says to expand, and the that garden's supposed to grow and expand, and you know Adam and Eve are supposed to have helpers to do that as their offspring does that. To mm-hmm. well, then they get kicked out of the garden. There's a big problem. The garden still needs to expand, but how are they going to do that? Mm-hmm. And so the temple, God creates this temple, or first it's the tabernacle, which all the inside, all of that mirrors all the different aspects and parts mm-hmm. of the garden, like the mm-hmm. different jewels and gems that are put in there reflect the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, there's, this, there's this mobile garden of people. Well, then that mobile garden becomes more as a place like the, um, like the temple. You know, David's temple is a picture of the garden. So you have the Holy of Holies really close. It's like the tree of life almost. And then it goes out, and then you even all the way out to the court of the Gentiles. You see this expansion of the Holy of Holies mm-hmm. reaching out to the Gentiles. But that that gets destroyed. And so then what's next? So, like, where is the garden? Mm-hmm. It's you and me. Mm-hmm. We are the garden. Like, our bodies, what are they? A temple of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We hold within us the garden, God's presence, so that me and you are not just one localized garden where the borders expand to the rest of the world, but we are many miniature gardens in our sphere of life, geographical placement, are supposed to expand the garden to where your border one day touches mine. And we conquer this world with the presence of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we help the world flourish. Mm -hmm. And so I see that as a big role of mine as probably living out my masculinity through the completion mm. of, of trying to help cultivate this world uh, and help my garden flourish. And so that's a word. Uh, we have a, a picture. You saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is expand the garden that our, our household is all about. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good. Um, so I don't know if I did that justice, but oh, that's kind of that's... what I feel. No, I, I, 
compelled to do. I like we're both like getting really right there. Yeah. <laughs> Our theologically uh, nerdy side is coming out. Yeah. But really, but you know, you take about that, then you take the theological, if you follow that, that through, um, like it, it demands a life change. Mm. If you, mm. if you see it mm-hmm. and if you see that there is this need to help humanity help flourish and help grow the presence of God, you you, you got to partner with it. Yeah. Like, cause that's the invitation God has given Adam and now us, mm. you know, to expand the walls of the garden so mm. that his presence may be known everywhere. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Which I, I, even in like, in thinking about masculinity, like is this, it's like this dance of, um, protection and like, uh, leadership in in like what we offer as humans but it's also like this trust and this rest and this reliance on god where like you oh, have yeah. to practice the humility to believe that he's the one doing the expanding like we get to partner totally. with him in it but it is like it feels like uh leaning into maybe the more mm-hmm. um known sides of of masculinity but also like totally ushering in that that need for a totally god. Yeah, and what I think is cool in that is that masculinity alone can't accomplish it. Mm. Femininity Mm. is required for the partnership of this great mandate to to happen, right? And so is one greater than the other? By no means. There is greatness found in the fullness of reflecting the image of God through a partnership of masculinity and femininity. Mm-hmm. And so um, without one, the other fails. Um, there's a symbiotic relationship that is required. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, if done well, produces flourishing mm-hmm. in every area that it touches. I don't, I don't care if it's raising chickens or children <laughs> or sh- preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. That's so good, dude. Thank you. So, I, th- I believe that. That's so good. One last question, and then I'm going to let you go. Are there any examples of fictional characters mm-hmm. or characters in pop culture <laughs> that you look to as positive examples of masculinity? <laughs> um, in pop culture. <laughs> My current pop culture with little girls is like... <laughs> frozen and tangled and <laughs> things like that um uh i don't know why this this is i think with every allegory or allegorical character there there will be a breakdown hmm. right so mm-hmm. i could say something or somebody could say something and then someone's like well but they did this mm. or you really explore that character, and there's some of this that's sure. that's wrong or bad. And so I'll say this with a with a <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. Um, a character that's really inspired me, maybe breathed courage for me. That's a fictional character. Mm. It's not even a human. Let's hear it. So it's Reepicheep. Do you know who Reepicheep is? Mm-mm. Take a guess. Who? I can't. You, <laughs> I have no idea. Reepicheep is a mouse. Um, from the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. So um, 
it's my, so my favorite my favorite book in Chronicles of Narnia is um, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's amazing. It is so good. And there's a character in there named Reaper Cheap, and he's a mouse, and um, he desires with all of his heart to know Aslan, which is you know the god figure, um, and he is on this voyage. The voyage is to go and see, um, find these lost kings um, that the prince is looking for, and uh, on basically this character Reaper Cheap goes with him to help in this. But he also wants to go to Aslan's land, which is past. No one's been there. And he does all that he can. There's like a, there's a quote. I'll read from him and I'm going to start crying. Um, So I'll say before I read this, I think some of the characteristics that I think are a good representation is he is faithful, um, extremely loyal, um, and that, and that loyalty of others, um, is is reflected by those being loyal to him so he has this other clan of mice that he's like the king mouse Mm -hmm. and um he loses reaper cheap loses his tail which is the Mm -hmm. honor of a mouse you know it's kind of silly and um he asks aslan to heal his tail and to give him his tail back and um he's like aslan's are you so vain of pride and proud he's like he's like um gives this really great answer and and the his clan say we are ready to cut off our cut off our tails because how can our leader have no tail? And so we are so they they they're so loyal to him because he's been mm-hmm. so loyal to them. Mm-hmm. He is a bold defender of the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, when Aslan is slighted against, he is he is quick to defend what is right. Mm-hmm. Um, he has courage in moments that many don't, which is funny because. He is a mouse, mm. and maybe the most courageous of all beings in the whole story of Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. So you have this little mouse who exudes courage, and it feels like in our day and age, only the big, biggest of human can really bring on the greatest of courage because mm. they're big. They they can they can um, they are the ones that exude strength, but size doesn't really. Um, isn't the measure of strength. And so, um, so that's, that's his, the picture of him. And he's, he's, um, he's courteous. He is, he's constantly like, um, to women, to others speaking, um, encouragement and gentleness and tenderness. He's, he is a phenomenal creature. Um, and, uh, so one of the, and I think one of the greatest things is that he his pursuit of Aslan um, is he he cannot stop thinking about reaching Aslan's land, and um, so he there's this moment where they're like we got to turn back before we get there, and he goes no, like I I have to go. They're like we're not. He's like okay, I'm gonna go and swim. He's like what are you gonna do? And he, this is his quote. He says while I can. I shall set, sell east in the Dawn Treader, and when she fails me, I paddle east in my Corgal, which is this little, it's like a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. Um, when she sinks, I shall swim east on my four paws, and when I can swim no longer, if I have not reached Aslan's country, or shot over the edge of the world into some vast keratic, I shall sink with my nose to the sunrise." 
So he's like, I will do anything to get there. Um, and this, you know, in the story, it's like, are you going to drop off the edge of the world before you, we don't even know if it's out there. And he's like, I, he's like, I know it's out there. I'm going to go towards it no matter if it brings me death. Um, and, uh, I don't think many would do, um, do such things of death is a possibility. And yet this little mouse is like, shows courage and strength. And so he, he's, he's fascinating, but also just Mm. breathes courage inside of me every time I read it. Mm. So he's a, he's a character that I absolutely love. Um, you should, you should, uh, you should become for anyone should become familiar with Reap Achieve the Mouse. He's like almost too like amazing. Oh. I mean, he there's like moments where he has some some faults, but it's like wow, oh. he's he's a pretty awesome character. Yeah. He, at least he is for me. Anything else that we missed, or anything you'd want to add? Mm-hmm. I think you're doing a great job with this. I think you're doing. It's really fun. I'm excited to hear more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think you're you've created a a really wonderful space for good question asking and um i think there's a humility in it as well so thanks for doing that i really appreciate that i think it's fun i can't believe you asked me but (laughs) (laughs) well you have certainly been a a large part of Mm -hmm. my growing and and even my um permission i guess to ask questions you've you've quite shaped that in your curiosity for the world too. So thank you for being part of my life. Yeah. Thank you so much. I can't wait till <laughs> you uh, finish this project and ask about femininity. Yeah. You women, should ask Rachel. Women who made me. Yes. Yeah. Women who made me. There it is. You're already like booked out for like the next couple of years, aren't you? Perfect. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Number one on iTunes. Sure. That'd be fun. We'll start with Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> We know this episode was on the longer side, but there was honestly just too much good content to cut. So thanks for sticking it out. But more importantly, a big thanks to David for being such a great example as to how a life with Christ looks loving, continual, and compelling. And thanks for seeing something in that awkward sophomore in college. It's made me in part the person I am today. Thanks to Caleb Miller our Men Who Made Me co-host and tech producer for all of your work. Thanks to Bethany Van Epps and Emmy Stewart for your managing and creative endeavors. Thanks to Smith & Mister for the use of their music on this episode. And, as always, thanks to you, the listener. If you like the show, let us know what you think by giving us a rating, review, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram, if that's your thing, at Men Who Made Me. We hope you'll join us next time on another episode of The Men Who Made Me. Thanks for tuning in.